Joint Superintendent Another Time Insights about the church at Thyatira. Blessings upon my brother and sister. This is Superintendent Janice Battersby of Shekinah Worship Center, International Ministries, Shekinah Worship Center, Bermuda, bringing you greetings from our pastor, Reverend Dr. Maria A. Seaman. And I have another installation for you in our series, Insights with Sue, Superintendent. That's me. And I have been sharing about the exciting study that we're doing at Shekinah Worship Center called Escape the Coming Night with Dr. David Jeremiah. There's the book, Escape the Coming Night. It's a study in the book of Revelation and it's been such an exciting study. We've been able to go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through this mysterious yet exciting book that not many people read. We've been examining why many people, particularly Christians, have never read the book of Revelation. And Dr. Jeremiah has helped us to understand all the hidden gems, the hidden treasures, the encouragement, the blessings that we can get from studying this book. And so we've made a series called Insights with Soup. Now, it's just about half an hour, but it's just to give you kind of an understanding of what it is that we're studying. And maybe also to generate an interest in you to get involved in a study in the book of Revelation. It's amazing how what you will study in that book will make you understand the things that are going on in today's world. So we've been studying the book and I've been sharing, as I said, some of our insights. And so today I'm gonna share with you about the church. Now, let's just give a short overview. The book of Revelation was written by the Apostle John, the disciple who Jesus loved. Now, after Jesus died, was buried, he rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven. The disciples and the apostles went out and they spread the gospel in the area of Asia and the area that we now call Israel and up north. And they started to spread the gospel out in the Middle East, I guess you could say, in the European areas. They took the word that they were given and they went out and they started new churches and, and preached Christ and the birth of a new faith was occurring. And John was one of those that eventually had to suffer from Rome for preaching about another king because Caesar didn't like that. And he was imprisoned on a prison island called Patmos in the Aegean Sea. While he was in prison, he received a vision, a vision from the Lord of the last days, of the return of Christ, of what happens when this world ends, when this time ends. He was told to write it down and share it. Now, part of his vision was that he had to send a message to seven churches that actually existed in his time, 
in Asia Minor. One of those churches was a church in a city called Thyatira. And this city basically was more of a, a working class type city. Uh, I've got my notes, so I'm going to be referring to this as I tell the story. Uh, it was on one of the busiest trade routes in Asia Minor. These cities were right next to the Aegean Sea between Rome and Asia. And so there was a lot of shipping and a lot of commerce going back and forth. And so these cities were right there, right near the, the sea, where the people would come when they would land on that continent before they went right into the Asian continent. So that was a prime location to have the gospel being preached so that those going through could hear the word and it would spread throughout Asia and the Middle East. Thyatira was one of those cities and it was very busy. Uh, had trade guilds, bankers, bronze workers, clothiers, cobblers, weavers, all sorts of workers. And there was a lot of action that was going on. It was not a classy city, as it were. It was people that were hard working that were there. There were churches that were there. And although Thyatira didn't seem like the most important when you read some of the letters to the other churches who had great reputations and they were filled with temples to gods and Thyatira was just a city with hard working people but there was the she received the longest letter this church in Thyatira received the longest letter uh, from the Lord in the book of Revelation now we read in chapter one of the book of Revelation where John received a vision of Christ. He saw Christ within all his attributes. It's an amazing read if you ever want to read it. And what in each of these letters, what the Lord would do through John is take one of the attributes of Christ and apply it to this particular church because there was a message that he was sending to this church. Now, it's interesting, and I'll say it right here, is that you've got to remember that these were letters to churches. These weren't letters to outside of the church. They were letters to the churches. And five out of the seven churches received good words, but they also received some pretty stern warnings about their behavior that there were things inside of that church that needed to be set right, or that church was going to lose her ministry. Thyatira gets three designations from the Lord applied to that church. Now, just to say as well, I'm gonna bring the scripture reference. We're coming from Revelation chapter two, verses 18 through 29. That is where you will find this writing to the church at Thyatira. And Jesus is described as the Son of God. He's described as he who has eyes like a flame of fire and he who has feet like polished bronze. Now, really quickly, his designation as the Son of God was basically to state his authority. And we're going to get into that a little later. Because at that time, in that actual church, there was a woman there 
who was encouraging rebellion. And so, and her name was Jezebel. So Jesus being designated as the son of God to this church is stating, I am the one in authority. I'll leave it there for the moment. He also designated himself as he who has eyes like a flame of fire. And that was to say that no matter how much this church put on, Jesus' eyes could see right through all of their good stuff and go right to the heart of the matter, the one thing that could destroy them all. Kind of like fire. When you see the wildfires in different countries, wildfires do not discriminate. They destroy everything. There is only so much that you can do against a raging fire. The only thing you can really do is get out of its way and let it do whatever it wants to do. Well, the eyes of Jesus are like that, and we're going to find that. Those of us who believe in Christ, we're going to have to stand before him after the rapture and have our works examined by Christ to see if our thoughts and our motivation was true to the works that we did. We do good works. Do we do them so that people can say nice things about us? That's not the motivation for good works. We should be doing everything to give God the glory. We'll be examined by the eyes of fire of Christ. And so this was the message that he was, John was giving to this church. Uh, also, he was the one who had feet like polished brass. In fact, my translation here says bronze. Well, bronze or brass was used on the altar in the Old Testament. It was made out of brass. And that means judgment. Now, I know there's a lot of talk out there that because Jesus had hair like wool and feet like brass, that he was a black man. Well, what does that have to do with anything when it comes to the end time, when it comes to the rapture, when it comes to judgment? You have black people who are sinful. You have white people who are sinful. You have all sorts of colors who are sinful. This meaning is judgment. That Jesus not only has eyes of fire penetrating, he has judgment in his hands. He will be our judge. When people say, don't judge me, that God judge me, you want to make sure, we want to make sure, I'm going to put myself in there too, that when we are judged by God, we are found to have nothing wanting. So Jesus is designating himself to this particular church as the son of God with authority, eyes like a flame of fire, penetrating, and feet like brass, judgment. Now, one thing that Jesus does is he, in each of these letters, he talks about the good points before he points out the negative. And with this church, they had five good points. He says that, I know the things that you do. I have seen your love. They were a loving church. They exercised love. And as we know, God is love and God wants us to love. Now it's with God's agape love. Let's not abuse that word, love. We're talking about godly love. They were a laboring church. It says, I've seen your love and I've seen your service. They served God. 
In fact, the word Pusar comes from the word deacons, which in many churches locally overseas, the deacons are, as one of our elders would say, the worker bees of the church. They serve. You know, you have um, me as previously a deacon, now I am an elder, but you would work your day job and then you would do the work of the church. And it's not easy. Sometimes it's not convenient. But if your heart is for the Lord, you'll do it. Whatever it is, the deacons are there so the pastor can call on them to carry out whatever needs to be done. The church isn't solely the pastors to operate. That's where we come in as elders, as deacons, as senior leaders, as members. And so the church in Thyatira was a loving church. It was a laboring church. It was a loyal church. It talks about their faith, that they were dependable and reliable. So they were doing some great things. They were also a serving church. They were also a long-suffering church. They had patience. And if you recall it, 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 even as you see now, to serve the Lord brings so much abuse these days. And even, I mean, we, we're here in Bermuda. We have it pretty good. When you think love, Christians in China, when you think of Christians in Africa, you think of Christians in Russia, they are persecuted. You think just somebody saying, writing something on Facebook or in the news is, is suffering? People on the other side of the world are dying for their faith. They're being abused. Their families are being abused. That's how it was historically. And guess what? It's still taking place today. And so the church in Thyatira were patient. They were long-suffering. They were abiding under pressure. They were patient. Are you patient? You know, I'm going to tell you this. is Many people seem to think that when they become a Christian, life is going to get easier. You actually become a target for the enemy. You become a target for Satan. But you've got to understand that. If you weren't worth going after, the enemy wouldn't go after you. He'd already have you. But now you've become something that he needs to attack. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You stay faithful no matter what. Expect persecution. But as long as you're doing the will of God, his permissive, his prescribed will of God, as long as you're doing the prescribed will of God, don't you worry. You hold on and you be faithful. You be patient. Thyatira was also a maturing and progressing, growing church. The scripture says, I can see your constant improvement in these things. They were growing. They were, they were striving to do the will of God. This relationship with God takes time. You become a Christian, don't stop there. That's just the beginning. As you read the word, as you fellowship with brothers and sisters, as you learn how to uh, seek 
what's in you that's not of God and work that out. You're growing, you're progressing, you're becoming stronger and stronger from glory to glory. And this is what the church at Thyatira was told. I can see that you are growing constantly. So let's go back. They were a laboring church, a loving church, loyal. They were long suffering and they were maturing and progressing. That sounds like a fantastic church. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? And then comes that word, but. There was something that was not right within the church. And I'm going to say right here, let's examine ourselves to make sure that every area of our lives can withstand the fiery eyes of Christ. If there's a but in there somewhere, then we need to present that to the Lord and seek him in conquering that, in giving that over to him so that we can stand before the Lord in spirit and in truth. And so the but was, he says, I have this complaint against you that you are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. There was a woman in the church who called herself a prophet, who was leading the people astray. Now I'm sure right here, Wherever you are, especially if you're a church person, you can think of one or two people who seem to run the church other than the pastor. And they don't have their pastor's heart. You gotta watch them. I'm staying in the scripture here. And it says, she teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. So let's talk about Jezebel for a minute. Jezebel, in the Old Testament, was a wife of one of the kings of Israel, a wicked king at that, Ahab. Her father was the priest of Ashtoreth, a Phoenician equivalent of the Greek Aphrodite and the Roman Venus. Under these gods, religion was divorced from morality and sexual immorality actually became made a part of worship. And this was what Jezebel was raised in. She married Ahab and brought all that pagan worship with her. And she was evil. She even had man killed so she could take his land and give it to her husband. She had 850 prophets who supported her. And she went after the prophets of God. And if you know the story of Elijah, the prophet Elijah, he ran away from her. She was so wicked that she even scared him. Jezebel was so wicked that eventually she was thrown out of a window and her body was eaten by dogs. And all that was left was her skull and the palms of her hands and the soles of her feet. That was it. She died a horrible, horrible death. Well, come down now, about a thousand years later, and you've got this woman in this church at Thyatira who had that same attitude. She's going to run things her way. She's got her group with her and she is going to oppress the people in the church and cause rebellion. And God didn't like it. 
and Acts 22 of the Church of Thyatira. We've got to make sure that we are doing the will of God, that our shepherd is doing the will of God. We need to know God's word so that we can align ourselves up with a pastor who is preaching, teaching, living by God's word. That way we're all moving in the same direction. But when you can see, when you know the truth, you can see the false. And when you've got someone who is of their own agenda in the church, that's a Jezebel. That's somebody, and it does not necessarily have to be a woman. Okay? It's the spirit of the person that you want to identify. And so this is what the Lord didn't like. And he was not happy with this church because this is what they were allowing to happen. And so he gave them a warning. He gave a warning to the cult, those that were following Jezebel. He said that Jezebel was going to get cast on a bed of affliction and those who followed her would be cast into tribulation. And this is where Dr. Jeremiah said, you think of that adage, you made your bed, not lying. Well, this is why we've got to know the word of God so that we know who to follow, even in church. Isn't that funny? Should you have to choose between your pastor and someone else? This is stuff that needs to be examined. Is your pastor following the word of God? Then listen to the voice of your pastor. Is that next person, does they, do they have the vision? Do they have the heart of the pastor? Then fine. But if they don't, and you've got to know the difference, choose this day who you will serve. And I'm not saying worship your pastor, but your pastor's your shepherd. They hear from the Lord. They have been given the mandate to lead this congregation. Listen to the pastor. Become part of the vision of the Lord. So the warning went out to Jezebel and to those who followed her. The Lord also said to those who weren't a part of that, there were those who were not following Jezebel and abiding by her rules. And the Lord says, I'm not going to do any more with, with you. You just keep serving me. You know, Jezebel thought she was deep, that she had all these insight. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. You, I'm not going to put any more on you. Don't get all caught up in all the extra rules and regulations. You just... Continue to walk simply in my word. And when you do that, when you when you follow the will of God, the word of God, it helps to sort those things out. You, you'll see Jezebel doing their thing. And you're like, look, no, 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 no. I'm going to stick here. I'm going to stay focused on God's word and God's will. I'm going to follow my shepherd. Jezebel may even come after you, but you stay right where you are in God's word. The final message to those who conquer was that one day they would be given the right to rule. And that's what we look forward to after the rapture, after the tribulation, Christ comes back and reigns for a thousand years. And those who are faithful to him will also reign with him. Looking forward to that day. And also that promise of the rapture that one day they're going to be called out of this world, whether they're alive on the earth, called up, or whether they will have died in Christ, called up. One day, we're going to be called out of this world. 
had to be in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Hold on to those promises. If you're being persecuted right now for in your church, remember this is in the church. But if you're being persecuted for following God's word, for not getting involved in the cliques, you stay right where you are. If your pastor is truly following the word of God, you stay focused on where your leader is taking you and do the will of God. The Lord has a plan for Jezebel and all those that follow her. And again, it's this spirit. It's this overbearing, in charge, bullying type spirit, rebellious. No, 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 no. Don't get caught up in that. Stay focused on the word. So that's it. That's our study of the church at Thyatira. Just, just a little bite, nothing too overbearing. Just want to give you an idea of what we've been studying and to give you some encouragement as well, because these studies are for today. You can use all these principles today. So if you want to be a part of an exciting study in the book of Revelation, send us an email at swim, S-W-I-M, swim at logic.bm. Let us know you'd like to be a part of the Escape the Coming Night series, and we'll be in touch with you. We'd love to have you to share with us and to help you to understand this book. Because let me tell you, once you understand it, you will be so excited in these times. And this is what it's about. These times shouldn't be getting you down. They should be getting you excited because we're seeing the signs of the times. What we're seeing right now are shadows of the end time signs that point to the return of Christ. We are hurting. People are dying. They're dying of awful deaths. And our hearts break. We pray that those that have died have received Christ as their Lord and Savior. But while we're alive, our eyes are looking up and we're excited. We pray that this has been a good time for you, that it has sparked an interest. I'm going to sign off now and thank you for just taking a few minutes to care about the church at Thyatira. And until next time, blessings abound.